Hey Adultish Fam! You ever come across a lyric or a beat in a song that makes you super appreciate it and hear it in a new awesome way? Then you gotta check out Switched on Pop from the Vox Media Podcast Network. It's one of my personal favorite shows, and it's about the making and meaning of pop music. Every week, musicologist Nate Sloan and songwriter Charlie Harding break down the pop hits to show how the music works and why it really matters. From the murder ballad of Joe Exotic to the fierce vocals of Doja Cat, the hosts pull back the curtain on music production to reveal the theories and techniques that keep these songs popping. So be sure to subscribe and listen to Switched on Pop wherever you get your podcasts. And don't blame us if you get those songs stuck in your head because they got me with that Dua Lipa's Don't Start Now. (laughs) Oh, that was pretty good, actually. Thanks. For me, when I listen to any type of news, I want to hear it from people who really understand the experiences of those that they speak or write about. That's what we try to do on Adultish. So that's why I'm so excited about a new show called A Better Life. It's a podcast about immigrants and how they're being affected by COVID-19. At A Better Life, the host and virtually all the reporters are immigrants or the children of immigrants, like ya girl. You'll also hear from immigrant elders like grandparents, parents, aunts, uncles, to hear how they're coping during the pandemic and what they've learned over the years that can help the rest of us survive today's challenges. A Better Life introduces you to people and places that you may have never encountered any other way. It's the kind of stories that you want to hear nowadays. So listen wherever you get your podcasts. What's poppin' everybody? It's Nige. And Merck. And what you're about to listen to is one of our favorite episodes from season one. Yeah, this is actually my personal favorite from that season. So if y'all want (laughs) to listen to more episodes, check them out at adultishpodcast.com. Enjoy. I'm a cold-hearted snake. From the bathroom floor to interview time. I remember my first night drinking. <laughs> Those were the days. JK. Wait, can I leave real quick? Handle some more business? No. I will man the ship. I will woman the ship. Yeah. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Nige. And it's your girl, Merck, and you're listening to Adult-ish from YR Media. The number one recommended podcast by my mom and me and Oprah. Wait, for real? Like, she endorsed us already? Well, she said it in my dream, so that counts, right? Good enough for me. Okay, (laughs) real talk, Merck, how are you feeling about this episode? Yo, I'm super hyped because it's going to be amazeballs, (laughs) minus the balls. Oh, my God. (laughs) Because today we're getting into her-ish. And hey, even if you don't go by her or she pronouns, everything we got for you is going to be sweet like Hershey's chocolate. And just relatable regardless, because we're going to talk about representation and role models. So get hyped, get excited, and start jumping on couches like Tom Cruise and Rick James. So we're going to talk to 21-year-old actress Sydney Sweeney, who goes back in time to give advice to her dead character Eden from Handmaid's Tale. Yup, that's coming later, but now we're going to be talking to someone very special, Iftihaj Muhammad. There's so much to say about her, I don't even know where to begin. You got this, Merc. Just take a deep breath. I believe in you. (sighs) Okay. (laughs) She's the first Muslim American woman in hijab to medal in the Olympics for the U.S. women's fencing team. She also founded the clothing company Luella that specializes in high fashion for those who want to dress a little more conservatively. 
And last but not least, she's got a book titled Proud, My Fight for an Unlikely American Dream. Yeah, girl has two copies. Ifti Haj, thanks for coming to Adult-ish. Hi, I'm so <laughs> excited to be here. Yes, oh my gosh, my heart is, is bumping like a rabbit. <laughs> Okay, so we're just going to get right into this. Um, so I've been snooping on your Instagram. And girl, what's your nail game like today? Um, it's really cute. <laughs> uh, it's I like like milky colors, like a milky nude color. Ooh, but yeah. I have just a simple like line on four of my nails. So mm. Vertical? Modern. Horizontal? Uh, vertical. So three are vertical, one's horizontal. And I totally Ooh. regret doing the one horizontal. Oh, dang. They're pretty lit. I like them. <laughs> so I got to ask about fencing. I mean, it might not be the first thing that you think about when you think of the Olympics, but it's been around like forever. So how did that become your sport of choice? So fencing was just uniquely accommodating to my religious beliefs. Discovered it at 12, driving past a local high school with my mom. Saw fencing inside the school cafeteria from the road. My mom's like, don't know what it is, but they're fully covered. So I want you to try it. Mm. And um, women who wear hijab cover everything with the exception of their face and their hands. So I wear Mm. long sleeves, I wear pants, and I also wear the headscarf. So in all these different sports I played, I was always adding something to the uniform. Like in track, I wore spandex underneath the team shorts. In volleyball, I wore a short sleeve underneath my team tank top. But for me, I was always out of uniform, always stared at when I went to competitions with my teammates. And for me in fencing, it was totally different. When I put my mask on, no one knew I was black. No one knew I wore hijab. They didn't even mm. know if I was a girl or not. You're just out there doing your own thing. And right. and so in fencing, I felt like a superhero from like Jump Street. <laughs> I just thought it was so cool that no one knew who I was or what I could do. It was all about how good can you be on the fencing strip. And um, I, to be honest, have never been in love with the sport. Mm. Still not in love with the sport. I'm just very competitive and when people tell me no, I feel so motivated and like energized by that. I'm like, man, I got to prove them wrong yeah. I have to prove it to myself I can do it yo real talk for a second um when I'm at the gym uh if I'm like oh I don't want to do this I straight up think of you because I'm like yo Iftihaj did it I'll like say your name in my Stop head it. no I'm not That's even kidding she's really not, she's like, really I imagine not. you grinding and like sweating like you know in the Gatorade commercials I'm like Iftihaj 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 and then I like <laughs> I go and I'm not even kidding when we were prepping for this interview she was talking about that she was like I you know I think about her every time I'm working out wait I like live for that uh, because <laughs> I swear I am I've always been motivated by my competitors. I remember having like night sweats. I'd wake up in the middle of the night and think that like world number one has already gone for a run. Oh God. She's already like got training in that day. So that kind of motivated me to like kind of kick it into kick it into another gear. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that you in any way, shape or form <laughs> feel motivated by me, I like love that. That is like touching my heart right now. Oh. Um, me personally, I'm a bit of a fashion guy. So, I mean, I've taken a few like design classes hey. in college. So, I mean, when I heard that you had your own clothing line, I was pretty shook. I was like, oh, what? Yeah, same. Yeah. I was like, all the stuff on your website, I was it was sold out. And I was like, dang it. I have to wait Maybe until like, next season. next time, Lil Merc. Ah. But yeah. <laughs> What's the story behind Luella and like, how did it start? So Luella, I started with my siblings, and it was born out of necessity. When I was younger, I had a really hard time finding modest stuff that was fashionable. Mm -hmm. And that was always really frustrating because if if you wanted a long sleeve dress, you had to 
buy the like spaghetti strap dress, find mm. a sweater or something, a cardigan to go over it. And then you still had to find hijab. Mm-hmm. And um, even as an adult, you know, as a sports ambassador for the U.S. State Department, I want to be modest in what I wear in front of large audiences. And I couldn't find that. I couldn't find it affordably. The premise of the company is for all of our items to be fashionable, affordable, and modest. Mm. And we work with Amen. female manufacturers who employ women. Dang. What um, what's, what's like your favorite look to go for? Yeah, you know, it. I love that you're into fashion. I feel like I'm, of my siblings, I'm not the most into fashion, but I feel like I'm all about like, uh, like monochrome. Yeah, like yeah. monochrome moments. But I love a good purse. Hey. Um, but I'm also a Nike athlete, so I'm finding myself in like exclusive kicks a lot of time, which is so not who I am. But it's like, <laughs> ah, they're free, so hashtag why not? Hashtag I want that. Hashtag why not me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hashtag we got to be good friends, and I'll give you the hookup. Hey, hey. we can do each other's nails, all that stuff. Hey, what's up? Right. I feel like this relationship is advancing a lot more quickly than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> For real, though, in your book, you mention your number one gal pal, your younger sister, Faiza, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's an amazing fencer like yourself, and the connection you two have totally reminds me of me and my big sister, Christy. Shout out, sister and, um, love. <laughs> you know, I, I get choked up just thinking about it when I was reading it. I was just like, yo, I, I know I'm like here today, and she's here today because we had each other in our lives. So what about your sister helped you become who you are today? You know, I wonder if my tight relationship um, with my bestie sister, Faiza, makes my other siblings jealous, I, probably. <laughs> but um, it was interesting to see my sister, six years younger than me, kind of turn into like this mama tiger energy when, <laughs> you know, um, people treated me poorly uh, on the U.S. national team. Mm. And I talk about this in my book. I talk about mental health. I talk about suffering from depression for about two years Mm -hmm. as a member of the U.S. national team. And so much of that had to do with isolation, intentional, you know, exclusion by my teammates, Mm. Um, even the coaching staff, uh, not book flights, not tell me about team practices, but then Mm. want to penalize you for not showing up Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, pigeonhole me as a black athlete who could be strong. But because I was black, I wasn't capable of thinking tactically as an athlete. It's just mm. crazy stuff. That it's like that, There's no stuff. way that's happening. But um, it's happening, right? And for me, having my sister with me, it helped me um, just navigate that space and, and really try to hone in and focus on my, myself as an athlete. Right. Because I was tired of being sad, to be honest. Like I remember sitting down with my mom and talking about the sadness I was feeling. And like most of us, I thought, you know, you think your mom's a doctor, so you're talking to her about this. And <laughs> this and that. And my mom, I love, I love my parents, but my parents think you can pray away sadness. Mm. Right. And um, the answer to everything is prayer. And I'm like devout Muslim, but mm-hmm. praying was not helping me. And one of the greatest decisions that I made as an athlete was to ask for help. Yeah. So, I I mean, one of the things that you brought up that I really thought was um, really powerful is when you were talking about like just not only praying, but like acting on your prayer. That's something my grandma used to always tell me. And I mean, we're keeping all these good feels going and we're going to channel all of this into our next segment that we like to call goals. Goals. (laughs) 
So this is a segment where Nige and I talk to someone who will help us reach our hashtag goals in a specific area. And it's perfect that you're here, Iptiaj, because you're here to help us reach our hashtag rise up goals. <laughs> you ready for this, Iptiaj? I'm ready. Yes. Born ready. Cool. So, I mean, you talked about this a little bit earlier, but I was kind of shook to find out like your fellow U.S. teammates were, you know, throwing a lot of shade towards you. And they didn't even, like, congratulate Mm -hmm. you on wins and didn't invite you to, like, team dinners. Mm -hmm. What did it feel like uh, when you were going through that? And then how did you keep your spirits up? It was tough. It was was tough to experience that because one of the – one of the greatest gifts of being on a team should be unity, right? And I didn't have that. So instead of allowing that to affect how I felt about myself or, you know, internalize it, I made my own team, right? I had my own squad. I traveled with my sister Faiza. Squad goals, right? Uh, <laughs> I I love them to the moon and back. And, and seriously, would not be here today if it weren't for them. Mm. So are there any words of affirmation that you say to yourself to keep up those good vibes? Like any mantras or anything? I do. So <laughs> my Muhammad Ali mantras, that's what I like to call them. Mm. Uh, we talk about Muhammad Ali, right? And everyone's like, oh, he was so cocky. He was so cocky. And I totally mm. disagree with that. I think that Muhammad Ali is human and he suffered from nervousness like the rest of us. And he Mm. was literally trying to like Jedi mind trick himself into believing that he was the best. (laughs) When it's time for me to fence, when it's go time, I'm literally trying to trick myself into believing that I'm the best. And whoever is on the other end of that fencing strip, she's going down. Mm. Um, So I use Muhammad Ali mantras every day to psych myself up. So when it comes to looks, I say you are Fierce, all caps. Other icons I look to like Zendaya, Aquafina, and like I said, you. Uh, you all have that undeniable confidence in what y'all wear and just how you carry yourselves. Some of us don't have that. So if I want to rock that jumpsuit my friends like Nige are telling me is whack, <laughs> what should I do? Um, wear it. Forget not. I mean, is Nige telling you to is Forget Nige telling Nige. you to wear it or not to wear it? I don't know, Nige. What do you what are you saying this about my jumpsuit? This is completely untrue. I've never told you not to wear anything. <laughs> okay, that's true. I got some other friends who are like, you know, you dress like you're either 12 or 51. I'm like, yeah, because they're all hand-me-downs, but so what? Oh, my gosh. I've only so, given you compliments. So, two things. One, new friends for sure, because <laughs> any friend oh that God. is... Look, it's always great to have a friend who's like, hey, girl... Maybe not that look, but <laughs> if your friend is a hater, new friend for sure, and wear that jumpsuit if you feel good in it. Mm, thank you. You know what? When I get my blue check on Instagram, I will slide into her DMs and be like, hey, remember me? We can rock Stop jumpsuits it. You don't together. need a blue check. Stop it. Girl, I, I followed you like a couple of minutes ago, so we're just saying. Ultra rad. All right. <laughs> Shameless. Plug. I'm literally posting about you guys right now. What is your handle so I can tag you? Um, I am at ultra rad uber fad. <laughs> okay. Middle school. Ultra rad. Are is your picture you and a guy? Yeah, that's me and my boy Samuel. <laughs> Do you know how bad I'm sweating right now? Like <laughs> this room is already hot, but I'm like Wait, Nigel, which you're not Nigel Barker. Which Nigel nah, are you? Not in <laughs> Nigel T. It's just N Y G E L T. No, how come my my phone does not love you? It will not let me find you. Oh, you're on Instagram. My Instagram <laughs> is unsp dot gully g u l l y. Uh, do you have glasses on? Yeah. In a business suit? Yeah. <laughs> First of all, you know what's not gully, Nigel? That you have 
two different handles. I need you to like unify. <laughs> but I lo- I feel like I know you guys better now that I can put a face to the voice. Yay. Um, One thing I, I really got to ask you. So read the book, loved it. The part when the whole team gets poisoning, that evil salmon. Evil salmon, like, like four people got food poisoning. Tell me, tell me what was on the dish. Like, can you describe that meal before it, you know? We, we left a training camp in Poland, uh, in Warsaw, for an Olympic qualifier in Athens. So I'm in the lounge and I'm obsessed with smoked salmon. Mm. So if I see smoked salmon, you better believe I'm going to get a bunch of it. (laughs) And who knew I was going to get not just any food poisoning, but when we got to Athens, I meet my mom, my sister there. I am so sick that I swear to God, I thought I was going to die like on the floor in Athens. I like, believe it or not, I had to compete the next day like nothing had happened. Right. (laughs) And I I mean, that was my third Olympic qualifier where I won a medal. But um, yeah, to this day, I do not mess with smoked salmon. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. You know, all of that reminds me of what happened right before this. Nigel, I'm so sorry. I got to share. He was throwing up. No. Nobody needs to know this information. (laughs) You competed. You're competing now. This is the Olympic Games. I mean, like, in our podcast. This is your Olympic Games, Nigel. Oh, my gosh. Like, I was... was (laughs) (laughs) Don't be embarrassed. You sound amazing. Yeah, you do. (laughs) My senior producer's in there dying laughing because I'm in here with a trash can and a huge thing of water. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) But I'm pushing through. Oh, my God. Awful. I'm so sorry. Oh, no. It's all good. Merrick, you're out of pocket. No, <laughs> I felt like I was doing hey, a great job <laughs> of hiding that information. This is your body expelling bad energy. That's yeah. all. There we go. Well, you know, Iptiaj, I'm going to miss, we're going to miss you because this interview is now, you know, Oh, it's come to a sad face, but right. I already tagged you guys on an IG post Fish and up. hope that we become real friends after this. Hey. Yo, if you are, if you're ever coming back to New Jersey, I will legit go up to New Jersey and be like, yo, girl, what's up? We can get our nails done together or something. Um, I'm going to take you up on that because I'm flying to New York tonight. So <laughs> are you, you might hear from me sooner than you think. You're going to slide into the DMs? Um, I'm trying to keep it kosher. That sounded not too kosher. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's make it happen. Okay, cool. I'm I'm here. I'm I oh my god, yeah. I, 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 yes. Ultra rad Uber fad. I can't wait for this. Michelle, thank you so much for being on the show. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me guys. Nigel feel better. I'm trying. Follow Ibtihaj at the same handle, at Ibtihaj Muhammad, and make sure to check out the Barbie that's made after her. The Barbie comes with her in hijab, fencing gear, and some sweet Nike cake. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Merc. Yes, Nige? What kind of rules have you broken growing up? Me breaking rules? You know I'm an angel. I don't break rules. That's nonsense. That's 100% <laughs> cap. No, okay, so in sixth grade, I threw a banana at my crush at lunchtime. <laughs> and For what? Um, Because I, I, I liked him, and I guess that's how I showed my attraction to this person. Mm, how, how romantic. Very romantic. <laughs> then I got in trouble by my teacher, then I started crying, and then the teacher started crying. So <laughs> I cried my way out of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I can't blame you because I've cried my way out of uh, a fair enough situation. So 
I see. It's a it's a valid excuse. What about you though? What kind of rules have you broken? Um, so basically I got mad that this girl got me in trouble. She like made a little snarky remark and I locked her in the closet for all of recess in the sixth grade. So yeah. And I got, I got detention for a very long time because of that. Wow. (laughs) Well, if y'all think that's fun, our friends at the Mortified Podcast are making a new series that's all about the moments people broke the rules growing up and what those moments can teach us. And the best part is called... Ooh, you're in trouble. And you can be on it if you're under 25 and have a story about stirring up mischief back in the day, whether that's something sus like cheating on a test or (laughs) something courageous like breaking dress code in the name of justice. Pitch a story at getmortified.com slash trouble. That's getmortified.com slash trouble. Help make some trouble. The good kind of trouble. Today's Mom I Made a Guest is someone whose characters on TV you've seen die over and over again on almost every show she's on. Y'all have probably seen her on season two of The Handmaid's Tale as the pious and powerful Eden. She was also Alice in HBO Sharp Objects, and rumor has it she's going to be in the upcoming HBO show Euphoria. Sydney Sweeney, welcome to Adult-ish. Thank you for having me. So first off, you had a freaking amazing year. Like, Mm -hmm. it seemed like every streaming platform I looked at, I was like, yo, my girl Sydney is up there again. (laughs) And speaking of up there again, don't even get me started on that, your last episode of Handmaid's Tale. When you're up there on that high dive, like, bro, I was tripping out. I guess essentially what I'm trying to ask you is how bad did it hurt? to keep your eyes open in that slow-mo underwater scene? It actually didn't hurt. What? (laughs) I was worried myself, but it didn't hurt at all. Really? Right? Like, are you a robot? Like, how do you open your eyes for that long underwater? I grew up on a lake in Washington. Yes! (laughs) Oh, my God. So, I'm used to the water. (laughs) So, some of your characters have really dark paths, Mm -hmm. like Alice from Sharp Objects, Eden from Handmaid's Tale, But from the looks of your Insta, it looks like your real life is pretty popping, though. So, I mean, (laughs) how do you channel these? Like, personally, have you seen High School Musical? Of course. I grew up with that. Heck yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, me and Mark, we do our little High School Musical. (laughs) 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 And then that's how we get in our zone. But how do you get in your zone to play these darker roles? Uh, Well, I build my characters from the day they were born to the first page of the script. Mm. And I build everything that a regular person would have. So memories, a timeline of their entire life. I build the house that she grew up in, the school, her friends, anything that would create an actual person. Shoot. So you just like write it down or something? Yeah, I have these books for each of my characters that are kind of like these scrapbook interactive diaries. Ooh, like bullet journals. Kind of, yeah. I build it that way. So even like when you were doing like that for, uh, let, let's take Eden from Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. Like when you were doing that, what was Eden's favorite movie and stuff like that. Well, like, like that, she wouldn't have favorite movies because she wouldn't be able to. So yeah. her oh, book was dang. a lot of <laughs> pictures. So pictures of her farm that she grew up on or mm. pictures of babies and babies' clothes because that's what she dreams of. Oh, shoot. So it's super nice to play all those characters because not only do you do a fantastic job, but you're repping for us young women out there. So first, <laughs> let me give you a little high five if you can do that in podcasting. <laughs> All right. So how would you say your experience as a young woman in Hollywood is different from your fellow female castmates who are a little older? 
you know, especially in the wake of things like hashtag me too. I think that I've been really lucky because I have so many incredible female role models that I'm getting to work with, especially this last year. I mean, Elizabeth Moss and Yvonne and Amy Adams, Mm. being able to see them as an actor, as a producer, as Amy as a mother and Mm. being able to learn from that and hope to be like that. Let's get into your Handmaid's Tale character, Eden. All right. So Eden goes from like zero to 100 in terms of having this super dramatic character arc. She goes from being like the ultimate symbol of the anti-feminist world of Gilead. And then things get super hyphy at the end when she's executed, you know. (laughs) Super hyphy. Super hyphy, yeah. (laughs) You know, for pretty much yellowing her life and living how she wants. (laughs) Very Romeo and Juliet moment. Yeah. But also this part isn't a spoiler because, you know, it's on Sydney's Insta too, like the part. So it's I know. I always <laughs> feel yeah. so bad when I was posting different articles that would talk about Eden and I would get DMs from people going, Stop spoiling it. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm caught up. Fine, unfollow me real quick. Yeah. yeah. If you're a fan, watch it by now. Right. Like, what, is, what are you I doing? I stayed up and waited for it to come out. Even before I was on the <laughs> show, I was like binge watching it all the time. Yeah, I, I mean we heard that you so how did that go when you found out about, about the part? Yeah, so when I first got the audition for it, I actually hadn't seen the show yet. And I was like, okay, I need to watch one episode to see what it's like, get a feeling for the cinematography and the show and the actors. And I ended up watching the entire season that night. <laughs> Dang. Right when I got done, I ran out of my room and I was like, mom, you have to watch this. And so then that weekend, I rewatched it all <laughs> over again with my mom. Yes. <laughs> That's why you had, like, so much backstory. You just lived in Gilead, basically, for, like, a solid week. I did, and then I read the book a couple times. I was breathing and living Gilead. Well, that's the way to do it. I I can feel you with the binge-watching. I mean, I didn't star in a show, except for adult-ish, but um, (laughs) I binge-watched Sharp Objects last night. Hashtag spoiler. Cover your ears real quick if you haven't seen it. You also have another brutal death scene in Sharp Objects. You, you, your character, Alice, she kills herself by drinking, it was like bleach, right? Yeah, it was Drano. How do you, as like Sydney Sweeney, I mean, we've asked how you prepare for these roles, but like, mm-hmm. how do you, how do these roles change you? You know, I used to say that they don't change me because I separate myself from my characters so much. But I think I'm learning from my characters. I don't know if it's changing or learning, which does change a person, but it opens my eyes up to way more things, like way more issues. When I was researching about Alice, I was researching about girls who struggled with cutting also or just depression. And you learn a lot more about different people in the world. And I think that changes a person as well. Going back a little bit to what you were talking about when you binge-watched Handmaid's Tale, you said you watched it again with your mom. What was that conversation like with your mom about such a deep and powerful show? Well, she loved it. Um, She fell in love with it as well and then had all her girlfriends watch it because (laughs) they were like, you will not believe how realistic the show is right now. It was a lot of... Because I couldn't tell her exactly what was happening with my character. You couldn't even tell your mom? I, I told my mom a few things. <laughs> she was such a big fan of the show, so she didn't want any spoiler alerts. Oh. So, the, of course, the one time I fly her up to bring her on set, because we filmed in Toronto, it was the day of the final scene oh for Eden. Oh, my gosh. How did she react to that? It was really hard for her. But I think it's it's easier for her to see it actually happening and seeing the people that go into making it happen instead of just seeing it on screen and making it feel super realistic and scaring mm-hmm. her. Like, it's still scary, but it's good for her to see, oh, it's not real. 
when you were watching the show, you talked about how it's very realistic to today. What do you think is realistic about that show to today? Yeah, like what parallels do you see? Of course, women's rights. We still have a long ways to go of improving our status and the world and how people look at women mm-hmm. and things along that line. Definitely, definitely. So on that note, actually, we have something that our high school interns at Wire Media produced. Um, Shout out to Olivia Monforte and Vanessa Rasmussen for whipping this up for us. Uh, Can we cue that up real quick? I'm Olivia. And I'm Vanessa. And we're out here in Oakland. It's a beautiful day. We're going to ask some people some questions about women's equality. Let's go. Here we come, Oakland. What do you think is the most challenging thing about being a woman? Um, well, I don't want to come off like super sexist or anything, but I think just women are more emotional. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> it's like intellectual. Okay. I mean, something that comes to my mind is pregnancy. Pregnancy seems very difficult. Trust me, it hurts like Competing in a man's world, really. (laughs) Your value as a woman being so closely tied to like how sexy you are. And if it wasn't for women, then none of us would be here. If I'm like with a guy friend. Like sometimes, if we're playing basketball on the yard and like a girl asks if she could like play with us, we're probably like, no. Like you're trash. They're talking about sports or something, and I jump in and I'm like, oh yeah. They'd be like, oh, you can't know that. You're a girl. It's like, what? <laughs> women hating on other women. I do that subconsciously. The women have to try and get equality through doing a lot more than the men do. Being physically attacked at any time. Having the perception that you have to be able to do everything all at the same time. For a lot of women, I think maybe dealing with birth control. A woman makes a statement and it's ignored, and then later on, a few minutes later in the same meeting, a man makes the same statement. And everyone's like, oh my god. And I'm like, okay, well. And then it's even worse when everybody's like, chill out. Like, what are you so upset about? (laughs) What do you think is the most challenging part of being a woman? (laughs) Being recognized for our accomplishments, accomplishments, our ability, ability, being recognized as a person. A person. We're not a thing. We're not arm candy. Only. We're cute too. We're cute too. Yeah, we are. But um, yeah, we are. So Sydney, mm-hmm. how would you answer that question of what's the most challenging thing about being a woman? Finding and staying true to yourself. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? I mean, it's always hard growing up and you have all these different expectations of what a girl should be and what a woman should be and what you should act like and what you should dress like. And then trying to figure out who you really are within all of that and what you want to be outside of what everyone else says you should be. Mm -hmm. Merck, so what do you think is the hardest part about being a woman? Well, for me, I would say... One of the most challenging things, because there's a lot, is how people can dismiss you, mainly like my ideas. I feel like a big part of the reason why I'm like doing the work that I do is because I'm proving to people that I'm a woman, I'm smart, and I want to be respected because of it. I do feel like I have to work harder than dudes because of that, Mm -hmm. because of the system that we live in and all the rules that have been in place. Kind of like Gilead, you know? There are the rules, and because, like, I grew up in this world where those are the rules, it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, this is what I know. But I like to say that 
our generation has a lot more um, awareness. I like to think that. Yeah, and I, I think they do. I'm really lucky in the generation that I am growing up with. So, Nige, now that we've both answered the question, do you have any thoughts on the things that we said or the things that you heard? Um, what do I feel is the <clears throat> the hardest thing about being a woman? No, I mean, just like, I mean, because I don't, I don't know if you could really answer that question yourself. <laughs> um, but, I mean, just like responding to just hearing that, like, what are your initial thoughts, reactions? Yeah, so I was thinking about this last night, and um, I brought it up with, like, a couple of my friends and stuff like that. And we were just talking, just chopping it up. And they were just basically saying, like, you guys have, like, these crazy unreal expectations put on you. And it's just, like, as a guy... I don't think a lot is expected, <laughs> especially like, like it's just like, oh, OK, you know, if you're doing all that stuff, great. But I mean, if you're not, then, eh, you know, he's just figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like somewhere along the way when we grow up, it's like this chunk of confidence just gets like sucked out of these girls. 100 percent. I mean, you go through that stage where you don't feel good in anything you wear. Yeah. And what's awful, too, is that girls, we tear ourselves down, and then girls tear each other down, too. Mm. You know, on the plus side, though, for you, Sydney, to be on shows and movies, you know, Mm. where you are, you know that you've worked so freaking hard to get there. That is just, like, really showing other young women that, like, hey, I can do it, you can do it, too, but do it in your own way. Mm. Women are phenomenal beings the world would not exist without them big facts heck yeah again i gotta give you another high five <laughs> Boom. are you just gonna like edit that in later because that high five thing isn't working we'll see we'll see so we like to use end of the segment as a chance to tell our younger less adult-ish selves something is that cool with you okay but we want you to answer as eden so channel her spirit you know if it wasn't dead and everything and answer this <laughs> all right if you could go back in time and tell little eden something about what it means to be a woman what would you say eden would tell young pious eden <laughs> can you wait can you say it in eden's voice i would hope to tell my younger self that Oh, gosh. I don't even know. What would Eden tell Eden? W-W-E-W. Or no, W-W-E-D. What would Eden do? Honestly, I would tell Eden to have mixed babies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's what Eden would say. (laughs) Sydney, thank you so much for being here with us. We love talking to you today. Awesome. Thank you. Blessed day, sister. (laughs) Praise be. for listening to Adult-ish from YR Media, a national network of young journalists and artists creating content for this generation. And now it's time to sing our praises to everyone who makes Adult-ish possible. So for starters, we got our small team of me, Merck, and Davey Kim, who wants to give a big shout out to his mom, who passed her ESL level five class. Also, we're hashtag blessed to be working with people who make our dreams a reality. So here's a woo woo to our EP, Rebecca Martin. Shout out to Gotti Joe Johnson for all things audio. And last but for sure not least, you. Yes, you, who's listening right now. Yeah, like we wouldn't have this amazing podcast without you guys. And we want to hear if you've got anything to say. So hit us up at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at YRAdultish, or reach out to our website at yradultish.com. 
pretty please with a cherry on top, write us some swaggy reviews. Swaggy. Because if you write a really good one, I'll personally mail you a random sticker. Just slide into my DMs with your address. And don't slide into mine because I will not. Um, anyway, <laughs> we just want to say thanks again for listening. We're juiced for you to hear our next Fly episode of Adult-ish. Later. Toodaloo. That's your favorite word in the whole wide world. I love the word snack. Oh, I could just snack on the word. You be telling Samuel like, oh, you Samuel, you looking like a snack? Yes. You know, he loves looking it like when I Samuel say that snack. word. I love it when I say the word. It's it's so great. Oh, my gosh. Good morning, snack. my Samuel snack. I'm going to call him that tomorrow. Thanks, Nige. Radiotopia. Radiotopia.